When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. You're listening to a Score North podcast right now, and if you're a business owner, so are your customers. In fact, I could be talking about your business right now, telling the tens of thousands of loyal fans about you and sending them to your business. Find out how you can partner with your favorite Score North podcast. Visit scorenorth.com now and enter keyword partner. Fill out the form, and we'll get in touch with you quickly. Once Phil, Judd, Declan, or others start talking about your company, you'll be amazed at how many fans start showing up. So visit scorenorth.com now and enter keyword partner. TCL is a proud sponsor of the Score North Studios. TCL, America's fastest growing TV brand. It's Purple Daily. Hour two of Purple Daily on the all new Score North on 1500 and scorenorth.com. That's right, two hours of Vikings talk every Tuesday. And it's the only place where you get Vikings and NFL talk five days a week right here on Score North, Monday through Friday at noon. We're also, oh, we're not streaming live anymore on no, Twitter, we're done. Instagram, Facebook, Seth and left. Twitch. Was it because I gave him a hard time? Your criticism got to him, <laughs> wore him down. He had to leave, go get lunch. I just don't want to be in your Twitter fights. That's all. That's all I'm saying. Untag me. The Twitter stream wasn't (laughs) friendly to me today. I looked a little fat, so I'm glad it's gone. I didn't even look. You looked okay. I don't like the angle that we're at, so I I just assumed I looked terrible because we're in a different different setup. It was thinning. Yeah, I got my. I've uh, got my gray score north top on. Now looked sort of chubby. Dark colors on camera, Judd. This is something I know, but I love this. I learned uh, doing stand up the few times I've been on camera. I'm like dark colors. I love this fleece. It's a nice fleece. It's very very. It's comfort. It's either look fat or be comfortable, and I'll just take comfort (laughs) every time. If the, the exchanges, I look fat. I'm, I'm I don't know if fat. that's part of the Cool Score North gear that we're giving away, but we're giving away Cool Score North gear, and all you got to do is show us your mock by tweeting Score North a screenshot of your predictions for who the Vikings will draft in all seven rounds of this year's draft. Tweet at Score North using these two hashtags: Score Mock S K O R Mock. And the hashtag contest. If I have to spell contest for you, you don't deserve to win. The entrant with the most picks correct will win some cool Score North gear that may or may not include that fleece that you Get saw Judd wearing on the uh, stream. Hold on for the fleece. And for a free draft simulator, visit scorenorth.com, keyword draft. And you said before the break, Judd, that we have our first yeah. NFL it's a big trade. draft week trade. Tell us what went down. Per the verified Twitter account of one Adam Schefter, who is rarely, if ever, wrong, so I completely trust Pretty this. Pretty reliable. The Seahawks have agreed to trade their franchise player, defensive end Frank Clark, to the Kansas City Chiefs for a 2019 first-round pick, which will be the 29th pick on Thursday, a 2020 second-round pick, and an exchange of third-round picks this year per league sources. So... Frank Clark, who who would have been playing for Seattle against the Vikings in Seattle, will now be playing against the Vikings for Kansas City. And he had, I just looked this up as well, if I can get to it on the page here, he had uh, 13 sacks in 2018. In fact, the last three years with Seattle, he's had 10 sacks, 9 sacks, and then last season, 13 sacks. Frank Clark is 25 years old and will celebrate his 26th birthday in June. So he is a very good player, but... 
the um, the trade is a pretty significant one, and Seattle gets a very nice return. I I know their defense wasn't very good last year, the Chiefs, and that was ultimately what cost them a trip to the Super Bowl in the second half of that AFC Championship game. They could not stop Tom Brady, and I think when Brady got that ball at the end of the game, we all, I know I was in a bar watching that game, and everybody collectively knew what was going to happen because Brady going to Brady, and the Chiefs were just a terrible defense. And Tony Romo was basically nailing every play. Exactly, too. yeah, that was the other <laughs> fascinating thing about it. But it seems like their their strategy to turn around their defense is to get rid of the best players off that defense. They've now traded, they, they cut Justin Ford. They cut Eric Berry, and now they trade Frank Clark. I, I mean, no, the Chiefs got Frank Clark. Okay, I'm sorry. So, so Frank Clark went from the Seahawks to the Chiefs. Okay, so they're they're combating so okay. they're combating what you're talking about though, because they did get rid of guys that were actually good. Although Eric Berry had had some injury true problems. Yeah, they, but when he he's was, healthy, he was he was, he was very one good. of the better safeties in the league. The problem is the last couple of years he just he just hadn't been healthy at all. Like he wasn't healthy. Well, he tore his Achilles right. He he was uh, sick. Well, he had he, he had, had the, the cancer. He had the cancer and missed a whole year. And then and he then, came back against I think week one against the Patriots two years ago. Now he tore his Achilles in that mm-hmm. first game and missed that entire year. Yep. And then he came back last year. But but at that point in time, he's not a kid. Right. Yeah. They he's, did he's, sign to Ron Matthew. So they've they've okay. they've yep. added to. They signed to Ron Matthew a couple of weeks ago. So I guess they're just overhauling their defense. I know they they hired a new defensive coordinator. Mm-hmm. Or they're changing systems. So maybe some of these guys who I'm talking about just don't fit the system, but I've never understood that philosophy. I know if you got to overhaul the defense, overhaul the defense, but for me, I'd keep the core of players who are actually delivering and then build around that rather than blowing the whole thing up and, and starting over. I think they realize that they have a window right now with a terrific quarterback who's on a rookie contract, and they know that in a couple of years they're going to have to pay him big bucks oh. probably and so they i think they're saying Massive you know what dollars. we need to try and load up as much as we can try and go on a run well you know while what patrick else? mahomes is cheap and and this all this also is the vikings in reverse in some ways yeah my theory now is that that more and more of the coordinators are the head coach of the side of the ball that the actual head coach doesn't necessarily get like Gary Kubiak is right. your head coach offense. Right. So so if when Andy Reid, when they blew out the previous DC and brought in the new guy, they probably said, What do you want? What can we do here? Because Reid is so invested in the offensive schemes and and that side of, of the ball that he's probably more like to the defense a de facto GM. Mm-hmm. But the actual coordination of that defense and and the coaching of that defense falls to the guy who's the DC and Andy just wipes his hands. No, I think well, I, I think he very fairly says, "What do you need?" He's probably. Bizarro Mike Zimmer. Yes, right. that's what I'm saying. Yeah, mm-hmm. but this is true across the board. The Rams, right? Wade Phillips is the head coach of the Rams defense. Mm-hmm. Sean McVay tolerates it, and and technically, I guess at the end of the day, oversees it. But Sean McVay does what? Sean McVay runs the offense, yep. and then says to Wade. Tell me when you 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 guys uh, get the opposing team off the field because then Jared Goff and my offense can go on on the field and try and score a thousand points. Is that, Rami? Do you think that that's kind of a similar setup with with the Bears now with Matt Nagy? Yeah, very being the much head so. coach, but yeah. he's head coach offense, and Chuck Pagano is now head coach. I mean, defense, that was that was the situation when they came in, and it almost had to be because Vic Fangio 
was already the defensive coordinator when Nagy came in, interviewed right. for the head coaching job in Chicago, yep. and is a guy who's in high demand whenever he's on the job market. So he could have easily gotten a defensive coordinator job somewhere else in the league and to sort of sweeten the pot and keep him there for at least another year. They said, look, the defense is yours. We'll be totally hands-off with the defense. Matt Nagy is just here to be the head coach. <laughs> And and sort of the vocal leader and <laughs> yeah. run the offense and you do your thing. And that goes back, Judd, to remember a couple of months ago, this was this might have been right around when D. Filippo got fired. And remember I brought up the thought of what if the Vikings had with Pat Shermer at the end of twenty seventeen just said, Hey, we'll bump your salary up, give you the title of associate head coach, and then yeah. you are head coach offense. Yep. And then he never takes the Giants job and then he might still be here and well, no. and and the deal with Pat, I think at that point is, Pat, sit down for a second. You're about to take the Giants' job. First of all, <laughs> it's a bad job. Second of all, Pat, we know you. You are not geared to work there. The media, the tabloids, all that stuff. It's going to be a disaster. So we we'll pay you. I don't know. Take your pick. Two million dollars to stay. Because mm-hmm. I guarantee you, assistant coach wise, now Gary Kubiak is breaking the bank. Mm-hmm. I absolutely, Gary Kubiak did not come here because he loves Zim. He'll say that. But Gary Kubiak came here to essentially babysit that offense and Kevin Stefanski because this team was desperate for a guy who Zim doesn't have to ever get up to the podium again now and be like, oh, geez, I wish we'd run more. That's out now. So Gary Kubiak is making a ton. I don't know if this... Maybe you guys can tell me if you think this would ever work. It's a thought I've had for a long time because of exactly the thing that we're talking about right now, that offensive coaches really want nothing to do with the defensive side of the football, and defensive coaches really want nothing to do with the offensive side of the football. Why hasn't a team tried co-head coaches yet? Like, we have our offense guy, we have our defense guy. These guys are both equally, they hold equal power Egos. within the organization. We have co-head coaches. One Egos runs the offense, run one runs mock. the defense. In fact, in fact, you saw it, though. That's true, the 85 Bears. Yes. Yeah. That was two head coaches. Yeah. And they hated each other. Yeah. It it In theory, it makes perfect sense. And in, in theory, I think teams like the Rams and Vikings and probably the Chiefs and Bears are doing it. But you need, in this macho football environment, on Saturday night, you need one guy to get up there and one say, face. nobody believes in us but me. <laughs> no, no, I'm serious. It, it, it's one, just, one guy, one face. Yeah, there, there are there are some things I'm in amazed, sports that I'm make no sense. I'm amazed that still works, by the way. That guys can still get up in oh, front of locker rooms and don't make, be. make 53 grown men believe that. <laughs> go in, go in a... <laughs> Go in a locker room, and it is unbelievable the amount of guys that are absolutely dying to buy in. No, I know because it doesn't make sense. Right as a as an adult, the Patriots, human, the Patriots were selling. Nobody believes in us last year, but they and, it, it and, and they worked. It, yeah, no, every guys in that locker room were buying it, hook, line, and sinker. The the thing that always astounded me, it doesn't now because I've seen it a ton, but that astounds you is. The level at which an adult is willing to buy into a child's message. I'm serious. No, I, I 100% agree. Nobody believes in us. What does that mean? Mike Zimmer got to training camp. Was that 2016, Manny? Mm-hmm. In Mankato. And this team was coming off a pretty good year. Yeah, mm-hmm. I think it was 16. Yeah. He he got to Mankato and in his um, first press conference at training camp, got up there and said, I've been reading what you guys are writing. 
nobody believes in me or us. And everyone's like, Mike, what are you talking about? We're all picking you to win the uh, North. <laughs> no one believes in us. And it's like, you at first you were like, whoa, 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 what's wrong with you? But the incredible thing is he doesn't care if you buy it. He wants you to write it so the players will see it and then they buy it. Mm-hmm. And there are there are players, I think, who are like, this is BS. Like, man, just tell me where I need to but, be, when I need to be there, and what I need to do, and let's get the job done. But how many of those guys actually, but those guys are never the ones who sort of drive the ship, right? Okay. Harrison Smith. Harrison Smith, I think a pretty smart guy, I think. Don't know mm-hmm. for sure, but right. I think. But certainly a great player. I think he buys everything Zimmer says. Let me ask you this. Does a quarterback have to buy in? To that, whatever the message is, whatever the overriding message is that the quarterback that the coach is saying, does the quarterback have to buy in? Because I contended for a long time when people were saying Jay Cutler is a bad teammate, Jay Cutler doesn't care. I would say I don't really think that's the case. I just don't think Jay Cutler needs all the rah rah stuff. He just Jay Cutler grinds tape. He he yeah. watched as much film and worked as hard in practice as as any quarterback. His teammates all to a man, well, almost all to a man, all said, no, I love the guy, had no problems with him, good teammate. He just wasn't a vocal leader, and I don't think he put a lot of stock into the type of stuff we're talking about. He was more about he was more like the guy that I just talked about, which is tell me where I need to be, when I need to be there, what I need to do, and let's see if it'll work. I don't think a quarterback needs to uh, buy in fully, but I think a quarterback needs to lead in his own way, which I don't think Cutler did. The most important people in, in your organization for a football team are probably the head coach, the quarterback. Those are your two. And I think the problem with Cutler was the body language was never particularly good. And I don't think... I think Jay was just like, ah, whatever, which I would be. <laughs> but I do think that if you look at a guy like Brady, if you look at if you look at quarterbacks who really get it, they almost sell their own message. So the coach has his, the quarterback has his demeanor, and that can work. So I don't think that the quarterback has to fully buy in, but I do think the quarterback needs to dictate how the locker room is going to run or else you probably have problems or, or you don't have a quarterback who's dynamic enough, i.e. possibly Kirk Cousins. I wonder if the case of Cutler, though, if a more dynamic head coach would have made the difference, though, with him. Because it's, I mean, Jay, Jay was who he was, but like Lovey Smith, Lovey Smith had some success with right. the Chicago Bears. I mean, Hell, it took him to a Super Bowl. Right. Who was Jay's guy in Denver before uh, McDaniels traded him? Yeah, Shanahan. And the, yeah, that went okay, right? Yeah, that went really yeah. good. Yeah, Shanahan liked him, so that that might be true. So I, I just wonder if like a different type of head coach personality would have gotten through to Jay Cutler a little bit more, and just just a better pairing of head coach. I can tell you who wouldn't better. have if Chile had traded for him in two thousand nine, like the Vikings tried to do. <laughs> that wouldn't have worked out so well. Can you imagine Brad trying to tell Jay what's what? Um, uh, um, or uh... Jay would have said, <laughs> "When's bar time, Brad?" <laughs> I'm going to Wildfire. I'll see you later. I'm going to Manny's. I'll see you later. By the way, did you guys ever read or hear the story about why it all went wrong immediately between Josh McDaniels and Jay Cutler? Immediately, 
right off the bat. If I did, I don't remember it. So Josh McDaniels gets the job, and I have the story right here in front of me. I could just read it to you. But essentially, calls Jay Cutler into his office and starts verbally flogging him for everything he's done wrong to that point in his NFL career and rattling off his accomplishments, his own Josh McDaniels' Josh, okay. own accomplishments at the NFL level and why they're going to do things his way now or it's the highway for the franchise quarterback who Mike Shanahan spent two or three years developing and was seeing steady progress from to that point and really looked like one of the next upper echelon franchise quarterbacks in the league. Josh McDaniels came in and just demoralized this guy. He immediately, Jay Cutler... It didn't take much to ...immediately left the <laughs> office, and before he was even out of the hallway that that comes out of a, out of Josh McDaniels' office, was on the phone to his agent saying, you got to get me out of here. It happened that fast. Wow. Oh, I buy that between those two easily. Yeah. yeah. And Josh was, what, 30... Five at the time, thirty. He was young. May not even been that old. Yeah. Actually, no. His agent. I'm just reading it now. His agent was in the room with him. Here's oh, a paragraph okay. from it. He began to bash and berate Cutler and his game to the tune of a verbal flogging neither had ever witnessed. The expletive laden diatribe went on for a few minutes, after which Cook stood up. That's Bus Cook, Cutler's agent, and Brett Favre's agent, mm-hmm. and told Cutler they were leaving. As they walked down the long hallway past Bolin's office, Cutler turned to Bus and said, "Get me out of here. I don't care how you do it." Well, so the McDaniels before that whole exchange, did McDaniels already think? Was he already thinking I want to trade for Matt Castle? Probably. Oh, quite possibly. Well, and, and then it, didn't Josh in turn take Tebow the next year yeah. or a couple of years in yeah. 2010? Yeah, because the the rumor was around that time that Brad liked Tebow a lot. Yeah, I remember. If I remember you remember, that, there yeah. was there was serious speculation that the Vikings might take Tebow, and they they can't do that. And I thought, yes, they can actually. Well, and Percy was already here, right? Oh, yeah, 2009. Yeah, yep. Percy, Percy was already that here. That 2009 draft? T-Bone, Florida. They took five players, but that was a nice draft. That addressed immediate needs. That's a draft. Go, go back and look at the Vikings' 2009 draft, and then and then tell me that you don't, if you've got a team on, on the precipice of success, don't want to address immediate needs. That was uh, Harvin, Lodeholt to play right tackle, just five players, but they actually got guys who, who helped immediately on, on that team that made a run to the uh, NFC title game. Yeah. So, yep, that was... Percy, Lodeholt, Asher Allen, but Jasper Brinkley ended but up Asher starting... But Asher Allen actually played a bit mm-hmm. that year and gave him some depth. And then when, I remember and E.J. Henderson got hurt Jasper Arizona, Brinkley played. Jasper Brinkley, Brinkley came in and... Uh, Jamarcus Sanford, too, right? Seventh uh, round? Yeah, that's right. Yeah, safe. Five, five players, but they got immediate depth. And then... There was a draft I looked up last night by the Vikings. I want to say it was a couple of years ago. They took something like 11 players. It didn't provide, let's say, enough immediate depth. No. Did that. Well, that, but that's the thing is teams teams are so fixated on saying we got to get all these players and we're going to add all of these bodies. And it, it's funny because when drafts go like that, you look at that draft and you say to yourself, man, they got a lot of guys, right? But go back three years after sometimes, it's like, well, they got a lot of guys, but... How much did those guys actually contribute? Right. But the the philosophy for most GMs is give me as many swings as I can because you know you're going to miss. You know you're going to miss on draft picks. So give me as many swings as I can. Absolutely. I just don't I don't know if that's not slightly flawed at times. Sure, because at they're times. so because they're so convinced that they're going to get all of these bodies and they do it 
But then I, I come back and say, that's why in this draft, if I'm Spielman, I think you've got to be saying, I've got to address a need. Now, now the one, the one place where I think what I just said is open for discussion is quarterback. Because if you're not completely sold, to your point with Ponder, mm-hmm. it might just blow up completely. Right. But if we're talking about an immediate need and there's going to be several tackles and guards, unless you think they're just all awful, which they're not, that's one where I think you do have to say to yourself, okay, we, we could draft what we deem to be the best available, I don't know, take your pick, safety. Mm-hmm. But we are, first of all, on the cusp of potentially being really successful, and second of all, have to get help somewhere yeah. at, at this position. Yeah, Was that 2014 you're thinking about, Judd? I think it was 11 players. I counted 10. Okay, there's one I, I thought I counted was the up bar, to 11. No, 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 no. It's after that after one. That, it's the so last 20, couple of years after so that 2015 one. 2015, maybe? Yeah, it was 11 players. But it's just, it's 11 players and it's a lot of guys, but it's not exactly a ton of help. Guys, we have more breaking NFL news. Should we get to it next? Robert Kraft's protective order was granted. The spa video can't be released for now. Thank God. <laughs> Thank you. This is why I spent. Let's see, eight, eight, nine, 13 years in Catholic school. The potential. So God would, so God would take pity on me and not make me have to watch this video. The potential for that national nightmare for now has 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 been removed from our 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 psyche. Has there ever been a video that you do not want released as much as that? that I wanted one? to see less than that. Yes. No, probably not. Like ordinarily, if you hear about these, you're like, you know, I hate to admit this, but I'm slightly curious. The Robert Kraft video. The descriptions. I do not one out. The descriptions were more than enough <laughs> to make me Manny. throw up in my mouth. That was more than enough All right. for me. Yeah. yeah. I don't know about you. Let Goodell do what Goodell needs to do, see what he needs to see, and leave me out of this. Some Vikings draft picks might have made you uh, throw up in your mouth over recent years. Judd and I are going to go back and try and fix some recent Vikings draft picks right after this. You're listening to Purple Daily on Score North on 1500 and scorenorth.com. Because the Vikings are on your mind. All the time! Not just during the season. Purple Daily on Score North. Scorenorth.com. Thirteen NFL Draft, the Minnesota Vikings select Sharif Floyd, defensive tackle, Florida, with the 25th pick in the 2013 NFL Draft, the Minnesota Vikings select Xavier Rhodes, defensive back, Florida State, with the 29th pick in the 2013 NFL Draft, the Minnesota Vikings select Cordero Patterson. Wide receiver, Tennessee. Roger Goodell at the mic, at the podium, announcing some recent Minnesota Vikings draft picks. This is Purple Daily on the all-new Score North on 1500scorenorth.com. We're going to fix some of the recent Vikings draft picks that did not go right here in just a couple minutes. But this is one of our our vast, vast lineup of uh, Vikings shows here at Score North. And all you got to do to find them. This show, Purple FTW, the uh, Purple Podcast. There's many, many, many Vikings and football-related shows here at Score North. Just search Score North Vikings wherever you download podcasts or we're available on Spotify. You can say Alexa, open Score North, or you can just go ahead, do yourself a favor, do us a favor, get that app. It's available for Apple and Android. And uh, the more you listen there, the more chance you have to win cool prizes. And you can stream us live at Score North. Dot com. So uh, last week, ESPN.com, they did a, a column where they took each of their 32 NFL beat writers and asked them to fix one draft pick 
from the last five years of said NFL teams. Courtney Cronin uh, of Score North, you hear her usually in this time slot, but she's with Matthew Collar out at the TCO Performance Center right now. She obviously had the assignment of the Vikings, and she looked at the 2016 draft, which we'll get to in just one second, Judd. But I thought we could look back at the last five Vikings drafts, if that's not digging too deep, because five drafts, that's... Those are guys who could or did have an impact on this current product that we see now as the Minnesota Vikings. You go back further than that, we don't know if those guys would be around or whatever their story might be. So we'll start in 2014 where with the ninth pick in the draft, it's a pretty good player. They got Anthony Barr, outside linebacker, UCLA. Now what I want to lean on you guys for here is Vikings depth at these positions that we're talking about versus at the time versus what they took and what they could have taken later in that first round. And we'll just keep it to the first round. So later in that first round, some of the notable names that came off the board, um, Odell Beckham went 12 to the Giants. Aaron Donald went 13 to the St. Louis Rams. Um, CJ Mosley went Zim's crying right now. 17 to the Ravens. <laughs> Um, I'm just picking the guys who went on to do something in the NFL. Johnny Manziel. Never, I'm just kidding. There was actually talk uh, about that. Really? Don't laugh. Yes. <laughs> yeah, there was. There was. That would have yeah. been one of the grave mistakes in uh, Vikings history. So th- mm-hmm. those are really, those are the guys who went on to do big. So the Donald pick. Taylor Lewin of the Tennessee Titans. I should mention that as well. Pretty the good, Donald pick. Pretty though. good tackle. Yeah, Aaron Donald is probably the one that hurts there. So, All right. So I, I guess I'll start off a little bit in defense of, of this pick, because it's certainly not a bad pick, but that was a defense that was in desperate need of, of help, I believe, in Frazier's la- uh, last year here, because that was Zimmer's first draft, that they were among the worst in the league. Mm-hmm. And Zimmer had a definite vision of a linebacker he wanted, a type of player. So he identified that in Barr, and it's certainly a nice pick. The Donald pick gives me cause for pause, and mm-hmm. he he would have been a huge help. But that was a pick largely based on the fact that Mike went to Rick and said, this is the exact type of player that we have to have to turn this defense around. And correct me if I'm wrong, too, Judd. You go back to 2014. Wasn't there still like a lot of high hopes for like Sharif Floyd? They were pretty high on Sharif Floyd, right? Yes. And he was already in place from being drafted play- the year before. Yes. So the thought and he was of not taking, hurt yet. Right. And the thought of You're taking right. Aaron Donald and I mean, hell, if anybody I think if everybody knew how good Aaron Donald would be, he probably would have been the first pick. But you're right. Yeah. So Floyd Floyd was expected to be a cornerstone of your uh interior defensive line for a long mm-hmm. time. So that that pick is hard to nitpick. Right. And that's why that's why I said we have to consider the depth at these positions they, that we're talking about yeah. at the time. And if I'm not mistaken, then they got in at the end of that first round just and took gonna, Teddy, correct? I was just bringing okay. that up. Teddy Bridgewater went 32 with the last pick in that in that, in that that first round. Seattle's pick, I believe. The only two quarterbacks, this is just a terrible quarterback draft here, the only two quarterbacks to go off the board before him in the first round that year, yep. mm-hmm. do you guys know who they were? Oh, yeah. I just said one of them. Blake like, Bortles. Blake Bortles and Johnny Manziel. Now, quarterbacks who were taken in the second round shortly after the Vikings decided to go with Teddy Bridgewater, Derek Carr, went 36 to the Oakland Raiders. We'll see if he's still there for the long term. And uh, who was the other one? Oh, yeah, Jimmy Garoppolo went 62 to the New England Patriots. Of course he did, because the Patriots fell off. Yeah, the Jaguars should probably just stop taking quarterbacks in the first round. They have now. Jaguars could just fold up shop. (laughs) 
Really? But I there's mean, not yeah, there's really not should. a lot about that Vikings draft in, in the first round, at least, that I would that I stop and say, what were they thinking? Right. The Bridgewater pick at the time appeared to be really good. And Zimmer loved the kid. Mm-hmm. So at the time and to this day, that draft does make sense. And before, I mean, let's be honest, before Teddy got hurt, before the big injury, I mean, yeah. it looked like he was no ascending question. into being the guy for, you know, a decade or so. Yes. There's there's a lot of Vikings draft picks in the first round through the years that you can go back and say, what were you thinking? That's not that's not a draft in which I would think that, that would be the case. Because they thought they were set at defensive tackle. They thought so they, they didn't think they needed Aaron Donald. And it, and Barr's a nice player. Right. To this day, he's right. a exactly. nice player. Yeah. So so it's not like they drafted him, he played two years and washed out. So you support that pick? Even yes. With, okay. In hindsight, we still support that pick. Let's move to uh, 2015. Because you'll get to ones I don't support. The 11th pick in the draft, they took Trey Waynes out of Michigan State. Okay. Some other guys who went in the first round that year, notable players, Devontae Parker of the uh, the Dolphins, pretty good wide receiver. Melvin Gordon, running back, went to the Chargers out of Wisconsin. Um, Eric Armstead uh, out of Oregon, defensive end, went to the 49ers. Uh, Nelson Aguilar has done a few things for the Eagles, but hasn't quite lived up to the hype that they had for him there. Um, I mean, there really aren't a lot of guys in that first in the first round of that draft that year that went after Trey Waynes that you can really look at and say that's that's the guy they should have targeted. And I like Waynes too. Right, Waynes is not he's not a sexy, flashy player, but he's a solid player. And and I always said, and now I don't say this year after year after year after year, which Zim seems to like to do. But I always say, if you're going to get starting cornerbacks in this league now, they're first-round picks. Mm-hmm. Now, I'm not trying to imply that you should take them every single year, which the, which the Vikings have fallen in love with doing. But Rhodes was a first-round pick, turned out to be a very good player, right? Mm-hmm. Waynes, Waynes, I think, is a good player. He might not be the most flashy player, but guess what? He can cover, and he can really tackle. Yes. And... And again, I go back to that list of Marcus McCauley and Asher Allen and Robinson and guys that were absolutely not good. And I say, Trey Waynes is just fine with me. The one name on that list that I kind of go, that might have made sense for them is Melvin Gordon. Did they need Melvin Gordon at that point in 2015? Uh, well, that was coming off Adrian. What was Peterson doing at that time? He, Peterson he, he was came, he came 28. Off the, uh, the oh, no, child I'm sorry. Abuse he was scandal. yeah. He was 30 years old, and that okay. was the year. Yeah, that was the year after the he child abuse out, scandal. After, after, the, after he sat he, out, a year. I'll take a cornerback yeah. every time, for first round. Even though you knew it was probably a running back close the to the round. end for Adrian Peterson. Yes, yes. Un- unless I have a running back who is a surefire Hall of Fame top five pick, I ain't taking him first round. I can find those Unless guys. it's Adrian Peterson again, Yes, basically. and he just falls yeah. to you, yes. Yeah. So, so far, you are, I'm in, fine with in hindsight, drafts. you're good with both of those drafts. Yes, I am. Okay. Um, should we move on then to 2016? Sure. Mm-hmm. And like I said, this was the one that Courtney Cronin uh, decided oh, this is, okay, to, this is good. to go back and select. And yeah, we talked about this a little bit off the air, and uh, you were pretty much in agreement. First round of the 2016 <laughs> draft, number 23 overall, they went with Laquan Treadwell, wide receiver, out of Ole Miss, there's a wide receiver that the uh, Saints later took, some guy by the name of Michael Thomas. Never heard of him. 
out of yeah. Ohio State. He's okay, I guess. Who was on the board when they picked? This was Courtney's breakdown of it. it. Says this is a no-brainer. The Vikings have struggled to find a number three receiver as the Treadwell experiment has run its course the past three seasons. Thomas, who was taken by the Saints twenty-four picks later, had a career-high twelve point four yards per catch as a rookie, compiled, compiled the most receptions by a player in his first three seasons, three hundred twenty-one in NFL history, and led the league in receptions last season with one hundred twenty-five. While his numbers may not have been as gaudy in Minnesota with team. Adam Thielen and Stephon Diggs having Thomas in the mix would give the Vikings the deadliest receiving core in the league. Yeah, it's just a small miss. <laughs> no, it's awful. It's awful. Pretty bad. But but what Rick would come back to you and say is, well, I found Diggs in the fifth round, and Thielen showed up as an undrafted free agent looking for a tryout. So Rick's counter would be, I found guys. But yeah, there's no excusing that, right? But like I can't, I can't get past that. The only, the only excusing of it that I could possibly give, and I'm trying to see how this whole thing felt, shook out when all was said and done, is that if he was taken 24 picks later, that tells me he had not just in the Vikings war room, but probably around the league for whatever reason, people didn't have it quite right with Michael Thomas and Laquan Treadwell. Treadwell had to be that much higher graded than him on these draft boards to go 24 picks later. I'm trying to see in terms of where wide receivers fell. So Treadwell was taken with 23. Mm-hmm. The next wide receiver wasn't taken that year until 40 when the Giants took Sterling Shepard. Which probably makes more sense. And then yeah. you jump all the way to 47, and Michael Thomas was then taken by the Saints. So in terms of if you were ranking wide receivers individually, right. They were only separated by by two guys, but if you look at for twenty a guy to go twenty four picks later, that tells me that there was a significant difference in their draft ga- draft grades going into that day. And Treadwell, a lot of people were high on Treadwell because he he put up good numbers at Ole Miss, and it was the SEC, so he was going up against Nick Saban's defense every year. He was going up against Les Miles's defense. Every year, and there was a thought that, well, if he's productive against Nick Saban's defense, then he's got to be good, right? Like that's that. Sure. I think that was a thought, and I thought I remember thinking out. I, I thought Treadwell was going to be good. I did too, but here's my theory now about that position in particular. I honestly believe if you have a wide receiver who has a first round grade, but he's outside the top ten, don't take him. Yeah, because I can again, I can find those guys. Now, if it's a top five to ten guy, and you know he's just a surefire star, if it's Calvin Johnson, take him exactly. Yeah, but if it's if it's a guy who let's say falls at twenty, let him go. Take a position where it's hard to find guys, because there are positions in which I can tell you I cannot find guys unless I very specifically target them in the draft. Running back, I can find guys. Wide receivers. I can find guys. So unless you're giving me a potential Hall of Fame star player, you're not a first round pick. And when I when I first saw that, because that's my new theory, because of what Courtney brought up in the article, which is that you have two pretty good wide receivers here, there isn't a great need for Michael Thomas. So I went through that draft and I thought, okay, let's not take Laquan Treadwell as I, I'm, I'm sure most Vikings fans would prefer but what what else what else might be out there for the Vikings not at the wide receiver position because again they have two pretty good wide receivers 
And really, that draft as a whole, and this tells you, this just tells you how much of a crapshoot the draft as a whole is. I'll just read off the names that went in the rest of the first round after Laquan Treadwell at number 23. William Jackson, cornerback out of Houston, went to the Bengals. Artie Burns, cornerback out of Miami, went to the Steelers. Paxton Lynch, quarterback out of Memphis, went to the Broncos. Kenny Clark, who's been a pretty good player, nose tackle for the Packers. He's a really nice player. He went at 27. Joshua Garnett, guard from Stanford, went to the 49ers. Robert, and I can't say this guy's name, and Kemadiche, Defensive tackle from Mississippi went to Arizona. Vernon Butler, defensive tackle from Louisiana Tech, went to Carolina. And uh, Jermaine Effetti from Texas A&M, the guard, went to Seattle. Some good players on there, but nothing that jumps jumps, out, jumps yeah. off the page is like, oh, that guy was a home run. Yeah, Definitely should have gone with him instead of Treadwell. But, I mean, the Michael Thomas thing just doesn't make a whole lot of sense to me when you have the two guys that you have here. Does it? Does it? Well, sure it did, yeah. I mean, you... You need a, a thir- third guy here. And the nice thing about Thomas is if he was here, guess what? If Cousin th- throws him the ball like he likes to do with Laquan, this guy would catch the ball. Right. <laughs> Laquan has been La- – Laquan's a mystery to me because he actually works hard and he catches all of these balls, but I don't know if he doesn't apply himself properly. Like with Troy, Williamson washed out and you pretty much knew why. Mm-hmm. Like it wasn't hard to do the math, and and yes, they both drop passes, so, so that's a common thing. But Troy was coming from and uh, a yes. triple option offense. Lou, Lou Holtz, Holtz, it made no South sense. Carolina, yeah. They came up with with that goofy. Well, his vision. He went to the Nike Vision Clinic, and that's fixed him now. And of course, it, it didn't. It was just because he ran a four two forty at the at the combine. But with Laquan, to your point, SEC really good school, lot of pressure. Hurt, but obviously before, but mm-hmm. it's a mystery to me what, like, why there's never been a step there. Now he contends, Laquan contends that that he has made strides, but he hasn't. But it is that he had a great year last year. But you would think that he could have turned himself into what we would consider to be a, a serviceable third receiver, and he hasn't really come close. No, he hasn't. And Cousins continues to throw him the football, and, you know, he drops it or something goes wrong. So, so far, in th- we've gone through three of the last five drafts. We still have 2017 and 2018 to go, but the only change you would have made is Michael Thomas instead of Laquan Treadwell. The other two picks, you're good well, with, well, even in hindsight. The bar the bar draft, I'm, I might change in hindsight, but it's still not a bad draft. It made sense at the time, is yes, what I'm asking. This is, yes, oh, yes, okay. yes, yes, yes. Yeah. This is, this was a, turned out to be a mistake. Okay. The bar draft Fair did enough. not turn out, the bar draft had some bad luck and, and Floyd got hurt. And mm-hmm. so, so there were some things that became a problem there. But this is the first draft that you hit, that you hit on, Rami, in which you say to yourself, Wow. We have two more draft picks, 2017 and 2018 first-round picks, that we either need to fix or stand pat for the Minnesota Vikings. You're listening to Purple Daily on the all-new Score North on 1500 and scorenorth.com. You're listening to Purple Daily on Score North. You aren't into Minnesota sports. Talk to the mitten. Score North. Minnesota sports. Anytime, anywhere. Scorenorth.com. And this portion of Purple Daily is brought to you by Nelson Marine. Make it your best summer ever with a new boat or pontoon from Nelson Marine. Highway 61 in White Bear Lake.
Final segment, Purple Daily here on the all-new Score North on 1500scorenorth.com. Then it'll be Score North Live with Matthew Collar, who uh, we talked to about an hour ago. If you didn't catch that or miss any of this show, just search Score North Vikings wherever you download podcasts or stream this show live at scorenorth.com. Right now we're going back and doing draft do-overs, looking at the last five first-round draft picks. And so far, Judd likes what the Vikings did in 2015 and 2016, at least says you can't really take fault with what they Correct. did Absolutely. in hindsight. And the moves make sense at this point. 2017, maybe you take a guy named Michael Thomas instead of Laquan Treadwell. Maybe. Uh, 27, or excuse me, yeah, 2017, they didn't have a first-round pick. They didn't pick until number 41 when they uh, drafted Florida State running back Dalvin Cook. Why didn't they have a first-round pick? Can you guys refresh my memory why they didn't have a first-round pick that year? Sam Bradford trade. Ah. The Philadelphia Eagles and Derek Barnett, my guy from University of Tennessee, uh, was a defensive end for the Philadelphia Eagles and played a big role in them winning that Super Bowl. But that was a good trade. The Vikings had to make that trade. Oh, yeah, they had. had Sean Hill cannot be. If the Vikings Vikings were guilty of anything, it it was not having a proper backup to Teddy. do you remember where they drafted, where they would have drafted had they not traded that pick? Who 14, did you, right? 14? 14, right, because they were 8-8 eight and eight in uh, 2016. 14. they fell okay. apart. Yeah. All right. I'm just looking at quarterbacks who went off the board who maybe you could have drafted instead of trading for Sam Bradford, and there aren't any, really, at least not in the first round, who anybody was giving a first-round grade to, but there was a guy who, if you were looking to trade and, and get yourself a quarterback, a different route you could have gone is what the Kansas City Chiefs did, which was to trade up to number 10 to get some guy named Patrick Mahomes. Now, they but they made they made the Bradford trade after Teddy got hurt in training camp. So it was already, so a, it was already it was done, done, right? Deal? Yes. Well, I would have maybe just tanked yeah. the season then. Well, but that was the problem is they couldn't. They were actually going to be good. Yeah, they and were then, coming off and then they had to say, season. But it's what I always, it's what I've told you before about backup quarterbacks. It doesn't matter who the backup quarterback is because when the starter goes down, cancel Christmas. Okay. So basically, when they lost Teddy Bridgewater, but, unless you're the Eagles and you have Nick Foles, you should have just tanked the season. <laughs> but but or the, the Rams with Kurt Warner. It's yeah. happened twice. But the flaw, the flaw in your theory is when the head coaches built and your Jeff team. Hostetler, I forgot Jeff Hostetler. Yeah, Jeff Hostetler. <laughs> basically, when the coaches built your team. Based on defense, that's the problem, or that that what the dilemma was. That the dilemma was, you thought the quarterback was going to be good, probably not great, but good. Mm-hmm. And and your team though, at that point, was really really solid defensively. So how could Zim and Spielman go in the in the room then and basically tell that defense, okay, boys, I got some bad news for you. Sean Hill starting for you. Also, that was judge- the issue. In 2016, I don't think they anticipated the offensive line being as atrociously bad as it was in 2016. TJ Clemmings. Which is why last year is so frustrating. Right. They should have learned from 2016. Yes. Allowing history to repeat itself so closely together was incredibly um, frustrating to watch. So then, like I said, they did take Dalvin Cook in the second round, pick Great number pick. Love pick that number pick. 41. Still love that pick in hindsight? I mean, again, yeah. I'm looking at the yeah. other players that were taken in the second round that year, and nobody really jumps off the page to me. Juju Smith-Schuster was taken 62 by the Steelers. They cannot take a wide receiver these days to save their lives, can they? <laughs> you basically have run through a litany of guys who are are worth, at least if nothing else, late first or or, in my case, probably... 
second or third round picks who they passed on. Joe Mixon, running back out of Oklahoma, uh, was taken pa- by the Bengals They there. passed on purpose there. Yeah, a lot of teams did. Yeah, because that was, of, and, and Cook had off-the-field problems, but Mixons were way more scrutinized. Because they were on video. Yeah. Which is a phenomenon I can't understand. People need to see video to realize you are, no, how right. awful what yep. those I, guys did. You are... Thousand percent right there, Rami. That, that I still don't understand that to this day. I think it's because we're not offended truly until we see it. All right. I mean, right. I, well, I'm no. I know. I I'm, agree with what you're saying. Yeah. But Ray Rice, Joe Mixon, when we see what these people, what these guys have done, it becomes like, oh my gosh, they really did that. And by the way, I just want to make sure I'm clear on what I'm saying. I don't get tweets or somebody emailing my boss saying I'm making light of what those guys did. What I'm saying is, I'm disgusted. No. Just just from hearing it, just from reading the story. Mm. You know what I mean? I gotcha. I don't need to see the video to be disgusted and yep. and want my pound of flesh when it comes to whatever punishment those guys uh then have to serve. I I I don't need video to know how hideous how heinous it is for a man the size of Ray Rice to punch a woman in the face full force with a closed fist. Yes. Terrible. I didn't need video to know that that's terrible. All right, so let's move on to twenty eighteen. And uh with the thirtieth pick in the draft, they took Mike Hughes. Another cornerback, this time out of Central Florida. How did you like that pick, Judd? I didn't. I would have addressed the <laughs> offensive line last year. And and what really frustrated me, and again, this comes back to the philosophy of Rick, if you're going to get cute, and they got cute there, and I have no problem with drafting corners first round, but not when you have another glaring need and have corners. Rick, if you're going to get cute there, what you needed to do, because this was really, really simple, was you needed to take many of your valuable, what you consider to be gold draft picks, and get back up into the top of the second round, because the key to last year's draft is look at the run on guards, especially just gonna late first, early second. And people sent me notes saying, do you know what the cost of that is? Well, if you're going to get cute and take Mike Hughes, then you better damn well get back up. And that's that's why I point out the 2009 draft. If you're just about there, get there. Yep. You're not drafting for 2023. Especially when you consider that the head coach, his bread and butter is developing corners. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, absolutely. you can you can probably get a guy in the second round and turn him into something if you're Mike Zimmer. You don't, you don't need to draft Mike Hughes in the first round. Right. And to your point, Judd. But go get one of those. But if you're going to do that, then you better. You then better when that run on guard, guard starts, you better be there. We don't really know what these guys are or what they will be a year into the NFL. But three picks later, you talked about a run on guards and offensive linemen. So they picked at 30. At 33, the Browns took Austin Cor- Corbett, guard out of Nevada. At 34, the Giants took Will Hernandez, guard out of Texas El Paso. At 37, the Colts took Braden Smith, guard out of Auburn. At 39, the Bears took center James Daniels out of Iowa, who ended up playing guard for them. So there were, there were what, five guards that I just listed off there taken in the next eight or nine picks. So there were clearly guys who were highly graded enough on draft boards to go in that area well, where the Vikings took Mike Hughes at number 30. And the Will Hernandez narrative that drives me crazy to this day was the Vikings tried to sell. He was not a schematic fit. <laughs> well, guess what? Your offensive line was so horse bleep in 2018, you've had to change your entire scheme. Right. So mm-hmm. don't give me this. He's a non. He's a non-fit for what we do. You decided well, before the season was even over that your offensive coordinator was not a scheme fit. Exactly. <laughs> but don't. But you know, Will Hernandez. Don't don't tell me the kid can't play when you don't have when the guys that you're trying to play are so bad that your scheme has to be changed entirely. That's the most ridiculous. This is where football people think they're so smart. Well, we'll tell you something and you'll buy it. 
bleep off. You're wrong. <laughs> it was stupid to pass. And it was stupider not to get high in the second round. If you're going to be good, be good. Seriously. This is not hard. The 2009 draft, go back and look not, at 2008 and nine. And, and listen, some years, if you're not going to be good, take 12 guys. I don't care. That's fine. That's but not, if you if you go sign Kirk Cousins. It's time to be good now. You just opened a three-year window to win thank a Super you. Bowl. That's it. Not hard. Not hard at all. Let's let's not forget, though, Judd. You can't trade up in the second round to get a guard. You really need an offensive lineman. But, boy, you can you can trade up in the fifth round and get yourself a big-legged kicker from Auburn, though. So in the I mean, last— Daniel Carlson at your cut after week two. In the last five years— we went we went through first round picks and you would have instead of taking Laquan Treadwell, taken Michael Thomas. And or anybody but Laquan. And instead the of stiff behind him, I would have taken Instead him of a cornerback at number thirty yep. with uh, Mike Hughes, you would have gone with you want to say Will Hernandez as a guard? Absolutely. How much different of a team, how much different of a season are we looking at? Oh. Let's just take tw- the 2018 season. We don't have to go through all the seasons. How much different of a season are we looking at in 2018 if you have Will Hernandez at guard and Michael Thomas lining up at wide receiver along with Diggs and Thielen? Oh, remarkably different, I think. Because when, when Cousins throws to Thomas, he doesn't drop the ball. Um, Will Hernandez was a late first to early second round pick type. Instead, your left guard was Kirk Cousins' best pal, Tom Compton. His, I mean, th- his just best think about pal, that. but not a great blocker. Right, right. But right. Uh, just, just think about that. His friend played left guard, like his, like the guy that he would sit by on the school bus, as opposed <laughs> to an actual talented professional guard. You think that's why he was their starting guard because he was Kirk no, no, Cousins' no. friend? He was signed because he was Kirk's friend, and and then uh, Nick Easton got hurt. Correct. Yep. And oh, Easton right. got hurt, and so Compton had to start. But the point is, he was on the roster, and it, this should have never been a problem. Easton Will Hernandez got, should have been on the roster. Easton got hurt. Easton needed to have the surgery. And you, you remember, too, Judd, uh, Joe Berger retired. Joe Berger was the starting right guard right guard in for, yes. the, for the team that went to the NFC Championship game. And Joe Berger, after the season, said, I'm done. This yep. is it. Yep. So you had two your two guards that were from last year or from the previous year yep. that were that you were not going to have. And when Berger retired, everyone said, you've got to do something at guard, and they didn't, basically. They're like, we'll be fine. Give me a win total for the 2018 Minnesota Vikings if they have Will Hernandez and Michael Thomas instead of those other two guys. Well, they probably win the Green Bay because didn't Treadwell drop a key pass in week two at Green Bay? Um there's a very the variables on on that tie are very small. So let's we, say they win that game. Mm-hmm. We probably don't have the Minneapolis miracle because Michael Thomas wouldn't have been playing for the Saints. Yeah. The Vikings probably would have beaten <laughs> the Saints more that. handily. That's I a did great. not even think of that. Wow, <laughs> Manny, that was good. Wow, you're right. That's that's amazing. That we really just changed. But I just gave there. you nine wins at least. Oh, and then let's say you actually sign a competent veteran kicker instead of uh, drafting Carlson. Now now I'll give you 10 wins. Um, I can keep going. I'm going to ask one more time. People, get out of my timeline. Oh, with, it's unbelievable with right your now. record debates. Please. Some guy named Danny, and just, it's not our guy, Cunningham, is having a massive fight. Just tweet at each other. Very quickly, Rami, have mm-hmm. you ever heard the clip of Mike Zimmer talking to the media after Daniel Carlson got cut after no. week two? No. What went into the decision today to let Daniel Carlson go? Did you see the game? Oh, I did hear that. Did you see the game? Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) All right.
This has been Purple Daily. Got my blood pressure high now. I got a Gore North Vikings wherever you download podcast. If you missed any of it, for Judd Manny, I'm Rami saying thanks for listening. We'll talk to you next time. Score North Live coming up next with Matthew Collar. Whether it's Baker's Simple Truth Turkey or Mac and Cheese with Murray's English Cheddar or pie made with fresh Cosmic Crisp apples, there are many dishes we look forward to sharing during the holidays. And Baker's has all the fresh ingredients you need to turn today's holidays into tomorrow's memories. Baker's, fresh for everyone. Get more ways to save at the Buy 5 or More Save $1 each sale. Just buy five or more participating items and save a dollar each with card. Baker's, fresh for everyone.